You simply cannot overstate the importance of Isaiah's writings and prophecies in the Scripture. If you like taking notes about the Scripture, it's interesting to note that although Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet, he is the most quoted prophet in the New Testament. It's also interesting to note that when Jesus came into the temple to preach from the Torah for the first time in the temple, he could have turned to any text in the Torah, but he turns to Isaiah chapter 61 and says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me for God hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted and to set the captive free. Isaiah informs so much of our quotable faith that we have as a church. The scriptures that have stood out the test of time as being the most famous and the ones believers draw on the most in times of trouble. One of the things that he wrote was about the incarnation, the divine incarnation of God himself in flesh form coming in the form of Jesus Christ when he writes, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders. Isaiah wrote things not only about the birth of Christ, but the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, saying he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He wrote things like no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment God himself will condemn he wrote things like they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint he encourages us to remember ye not the former things neither consider the things of old behold I will do a new thing in you now it shall spring forth Isaiah Many prophets in his day had nicknames that were emblematic of their ministries. Isaiah's nickname was the Eagle Eye Prophet. He was known for long range and keen vision prophetically. And our text, Isaiah chapter 6, reveals this great leader, this great man of God in the infancy of his calling. And he writes in verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. Now, this is no mere historical reference point. It's not like Isaiah is saying, uh, the year that I was called and I had my vision of God and received my prophetic office and calling, well, that happened to be the same year King Uzziah died. No, that's not what he's saying. There was a direct correlation between the death of King Uzziah and Isaiah seeing something about God that changed his life. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. This small detail tells us two things. It tells us something about God and something about us. What it tells us about God is that God has a habit of bringing new life out of dead situations. That anytime there's a dead situation in your life, it's not all for mourning. You, you can mourn and you can grieve, but also start looking and scanning the horizon for new life because God is a God that brings new life out of death. And then this also tells us something about us. King Uzziah was a brilliant politician. 
He was an inventor. He was a strategist. And under his reign, Israel had known great peace and prosperity. And Isaiah was one of King Uzziah's biggest supporters and biggest fans. King Uzziah cast a huge shadow. But sometimes our admiration for great systems or great political parties or great leaders or even great nations can block our vision of the greatness of God. And so early on in Isaiah's ministry, he had not seen God for who he really was because King Uzziah was blocking the way. And that happens to us. We can become so influenced and inspired that it's hard for us to see God because of our kings. So occasionally God will remove our kings. Occasionally God will remove our power structures. Occasionally God will remove the earthly things that we put so much faith and hope in to reveal that ultimately he is still the one that is on the throne. And even the greatest leader is nothing more than a puppet in the hand of God. The greatest nation is nothing more than a puppet in the hand of God. The greatest system is nothing more than a puppet in the hand of God because he's the one that's on the throne. Have you ever lost something that you didn't think you could lose? Have you ever lost something that before you lost it, you thought if I lost this, my life would just go into shambles and then you lost it only to find out that if you still got God, I don't know if you hear me this morning. I said, if you still got God, No matter what you lost at the end of the day, if you still got God, no matter who you had to bury at the end of the day, if you still got God, no matter who walked out and left you at the end of the day, if you still got God, Isaiah was stressed out because his nation, I want you to hear me close, his nation was in a throne crisis. Nobody messed with Israel while King Uzziah was on the throne because of his brilliance in battle. He was a genius warrior. Okay. No one threatened Israel. But when King Uzziah died, the enemy started coming down from the north. And there was infighting and a political divide in the nation on who should succeed Uzziah on the throne. And everyone is stressed out. You have people on both sides that are fighting and contending for the power in the nation. And it was a throne crisis. And Isaiah, as a prophet, is feeling the stress and feeling the tension of a nation that is divided and is on the brink of war under a throne crisis. And then when King Uzziah dies and Isaiah sees God, where does he see him? First thing he said. He saw him sitting on the throne. God was revealing to him, it does not matter what happens around you. It does not matter who thinks they have the control of your life or your future or your nation. Ultimately, Isaiah, you need to be at peace. And to give you peace, I'm going to show you something. I am sitting on the throne. I have an announcement to all of you stressed out over our future. God is still on the throne. I have an announcement to all of you who are overly uh, jubilant and excited about new opportunities and about new things that are coming. Any new thing that comes that's good didn't come from a man. 
it came through him. The source is always God. He is the one that is on the throne. Nobody can manipulate your future away from you. Nobody can steal your future away from you. Nobody can rob you of a real opportunity because if God be for you, he's more than the world against you. And if God is the one controlling your future, your future is set in him. He's on the throne. Push somebody say, he's on the throne. He's on the throne. He saw God high and lift it up. There's a few things I want to say about this. Point number one is an upward vision. This is what Christians in America need. Those of us who are massively divided and arguing with each other and infighting, we, we're, our vision is too horizontal. Our vision needs to become vertical. We need an upward vision. Okay. He said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. High and lifted up. Oh, hallelujah to God. So many of us fail to look for God in the everyday menial tasks and things we go through in our lives. We tend to leave our faith at church, but no matter how big or small the circumstances that you are facing are, never leave God out of the equation. That's a word for somebody. That, those, that little stuff going on in your marriage, don't leave God out of the equation. That little stuff going on with your finances, don't leave God out of the equation. That little stuff going on in your health, don't leave God out of the equation. Trouble is brewing all around Isaiah, but in the trouble, he looks up and he sees God. God likes revealing himself in the middle of our situations. I'm going to say that again because your neighbor didn't hear me. God likes revealing himself in the middle of our situation. If you are in a tough situation this morning, you're in a prime spot to see a manifestation of God's power and God's anointing in your life. Sometimes God will do something for you that only God can do just to reveal that he's still on the throne in your life. Sometimes we get to walking around feeling like other people are really in control. And sometimes God will just drop something on you that reminds you, oh my God, you really are ruling my life. Oh my God, you really are with me. There's a few people that know what I'm talking about. There's a few people that have jobs you know you didn't qualify for, living in houses you know you shouldn't be living in, having things given to you, having promotion, having people bless you that don't even like you. Sometimes God will just drop something on you to prove I'm still on the throne in your life. You ever had God give you something that you couldn't explain and people come and ask you about it and you just smile and say, it's a God thing. It's a God thing. People ask me about my son, I smile and say, it's a God thing. And I believe that should be our testimony. It's a God thing. Let it invade every area, not just the big things, not just when you're on your deathbed, but every area of your life, in your home, with your children, with your finances. Let your testimony be, it's a God thing. I didn't earn it. I didn't, I didn't deserve it. I can't even explain it. It's just a God thing. Push three people, smile at them and say, it's a God thing. Wake your smile up this morning and say, it's a God thing. I need somebody to help me preach. Say, it's a God thing. 
This is where the church gets its power. When we start walking around in a natural world with supernatural things exploding in our life. It's a God thing. That's going to be your testimony. How'd you get that house? It's a God thing. How'd you get that car with that payment? It's a God thing. How'd your children get elevated so high? It's a God thing. How'd you have children? You ain't supposed to be able to have children. It's a God thing. How are you so healthy? It's a God thing. How are you so wealthy? It's a God thing. High and lifted up. And Isaiah said, my life changed. My ministry changed. My whole outlook changed when I saw God that was bigger than me, bigger than my mind, bigger than my culture. Y'all ain't gonna like this one. Bigger than my politics. Bigger than the way I see it. When I saw a God I couldn't put in a box. You know, God will never fit inside your box. Only idols do that. When I saw a God that was high and lifted up, everything in my life changed because of an upward vision. You cannot walk in great faith if your perception of God is small-minded. Until you realize he is high and lifted up. That the only thing you can do before him is fall down in worship. The only thing you can do is align to his side. When you see how he really is, you never try to get God on your side. You understand, I need to be on his side. He's high and he is lifted up. He's God. Isaiah said he sits on the circle of the earth with all power in his hand. He cannot be manipulated. He cannot be voted in or voted out. He cannot be impeached. We didn't start him, so we cannot finish him. He is God all by himself, and he's high and lifted. Glory to his name. Somebody ought to praise him right there. The high and lifted up God, the God above all, the God who sees over all, the God who has all power in his hand, the God who can do anything but fail, the God that's too wise to make a mistake, but too loving to be unkind. That God is your God. Give him praise. That God is your God. Clap your hands to his name. That God is your God. Shout like you know it. Dance like you believe it. Clap like you're passionate about it. That's the God we serve. You ought to give him praise. You ought to give him praise. He's high and lifted up. He's high and lifted. He said, I saw, I saw God high and lifted up. In other words, ah, I feel this thing. In other words, oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. In other words, Isaiah said, when I saw him, 
He was bigger than I thought he was. Oh, yeah. When I saw him, I realized I've never praised him correctly. I've never poured out enough energy. I've never given enough of myself to worshiping him and honoring him. Because when I saw him, when I learned about him, I praised him. But when I saw him, I realized he was more than I learned about. Yeah. When I felt him, I worshiped him. But when I saw him, I realized I've never worshiped him to the degree that he's worthy. What Isaiah is saying is no praise is enough praise. No worship is enough worship. No adoration is enough adoration. No giving is enough giving. He is high and lifted. High and lifted up. High and lifted up. Glory to God. High and lifted up. In a nation where we spent so much time talking about men, I think we ought to pause this morning and cast our eyes upon the high and lifted up one, upon the real worthy one, upon the real ruler of the world, upon the real king, upon the real supreme ruler, upon the ancient of days. I know you're tired of praising, but you ain't praised him enough. I know you're tired of clapping and shouting, but you ain't done it enough. Not to the point that it matches how high and lifted. I wish I had somebody to shout with me. I wish I had somebody to praise with me. I wish I had somebody that understood he is high. What would you worry about if you really knew how high? and lifted up he was what would you fret over what would you cast your head down in depression over if you really got a revelation of how high and lifted up said I saw him high and lifted up and his train I hate to disappoint you. I'm not talking about the other train this morning. I'm talking about his train. He said his train filled the temple. In Isaiah's day, the train of a king was emblematic of their power, authority, and dominion. So if you had a little kingdom, the king would have a little train kind of come down to here had a medium-sized kingdom, the train would maybe come down to the floor. But if you had a big kingdom, they would make the train of the king so long that the king could walk out of a room and his train still be in it to signify, I don't have to be present physically in the room for me to still have dominion in that room. My train reveals I got dominion even where I'm not physically at. And when Isaiah saw God's train, he said it wasn't a long train. He said the fabric of the train itself filled up the whole temple. From the top to the bottom, from the ceiling to the floor, wall to wall. What is he saying? Isaiah is saying everything in the world 
is up under his dominion. Everything in the world is up under the skirts of dominion of his train. That means if you need something in your life, there's no sphere in the world that the kingdom doesn't cover it. If you need something in your emotions or your mind, there is no sphere in the world that the kingdom doesn't cover it. What I'm trying to tell you is whatever you need, it's in the kingdom. If you need a house, it's in the kingdom. If you need a job, it's in the kingdom. If you need better things for your children, it's in the kingdom. If you need a better marriage, it is in the kingdom. There's not a sphere of life that the kingdom does not cover. Push somebody, encourage them, say it's in the kingdom. Push them, say it's in the kingdom. Push them, say it's in the kingdom. That's why Jesus said, seek, oh hallelujah, I feel like preaching. Seek ye first. Ah, seek ye first. Oh, y'all go preach with me before it's over. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And then all these other things will be, why will they be added? Because if you get the kingdom, you get everything else. If you get the kingdom, you get everything that the train of the dominion of the Lord covers. He said, I saw him high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. He, he tells us to look up. David tells us to look up. He said, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. This is no time to be depressed. This is no time for a downcast face. This is no time for a downcast vision. God sent me in here and told you, you'll be blessed if you look up. You need to get your eyes going up. Jesus said when you see wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes in divers places and natural disasters and national infighting, he said look up for your redemption draws not. The problem is your perspective. You're looking too low. The problem at the job, it's your perspective. You're looking too low. The problem in your house, it's your perspective. You are looking too low. It is time to look. But sometimes it's hard to look up. When your mouth is stuck down in the dirt of negative conversation. So many people can't get their eyes up to see God because their mouth is stuck in a down position full of negative, perverse conversation. And you'll never see God when you're talking down. Isaiah said when he saw God. He said, oh my God, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, my problem's in my mouth. I've been calling out everybody for their mess in their morals, but I got a mess in my mouth. I'm a man of unclean lips see, see. and and people with unclean lips unclean conversation toxic talk 
find it so difficult to get into the presence of God? Because God does not sit down in negative conversation. Oh yeah, I feel good today. I said, God will not send his presence in a place where there's negative conversation. But Psalms 22 says he does, however, inhabit the praises of his people. Meaning if you know how to talk right, meaning if you know how to praise right, God will send his presence and sit down right in the middle of your situation if you know how to get your mouth fixed. I don't know if you got any situations that could use his presence, but that's why I've been trying to get you to praise all sermon long, because the more praise you give, the more presence you get. I said the more praise you give, the more presence. And it's like, we know all this stuff, but we don't do it. And sometimes we go months without truly from our heart lifting up our face to heaven and saying, God, you've been so good to me. And I just want to praise you right now because you're worthy of it all. I thank you for your kindness and your mercy to me. You've been better to me than I've been to myself. You've been better to me than all the people that claim to love me. You've been good to me. Is there anybody that's got a testimony down in your heart of something good God's done. You ought to lift up your hands, open up your mouth and let that thing come out of your heart. You've been a good God. You've been a faithful God. You've been a kind God. You've been a consistent God. You've been a merciful God. See how hard that was for you? See, when you've got a lot of complaints and a lot of negativity and a lot of fear and a lot of unforgiveness and a lot of junk, you block up the praise pipe. And when you block up the praise pipe, you can have all the knowledge but none of the experience because God will not sit down in the middle of negative conversation. But if you ever learn this thing called praise is spiritual, doesn't really necessarily matter how I feel. God's word said if I would praise him, he would come and see about me. If I would praise him, he would come and reveal himself to me. If I would praise him, he would heal me. What if your healing was a praise? away? What if your breakthrough was a praise away? What if your children coming to a knowledge of God was a praise away? What if that thing out in front of you was just a praise away? I don't have many, but I got a few. And the few I have will have to do. Come on, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. He is worthy. Yes, he is.
upward vision. Number two, inward vision. In other words, the more he saw God, the better he saw himself. At your leisure sometime, you ought to read Isaiah's chapters 1 through 5 and look how he was coming after these people. Now, everything he was saying was right. He, he called them sexually promiscuous. Said you're not dealing with your sexuality the way the Lord intend you, or intended for you to. Okay. And when he says woe to you, that word woe is a curse. Meaning when you do not behave with your body the way God commanded in his word for you to, there's a curse attached to it. I know you don't like it. I'm going to preach anyway. <laughs> you didn't hire me. You can't fire me. I ain't scared of you. He talks about people that are not treating their spouses in accordance with biblical decorum. And incidentally, God doesn't leave that up to you. Oh, my husband doesn't mind or my wife doesn't mind. That's just how our relationship is. No, God's word has a commandment towards you on how you're supposed to behave. And when you dishonor your spouse, even if they're quote unquote cool with it, you've dishonored God. Isaiah said, woe to you. In other words, a curse be upon you, right? That's what he's saying. He talks about how people have dealt with their finances, how they've dealt with their drunkenness, how they have just over imbibed to the point that they've lost control of their faculties. And he says, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. But then he sees God and all of a sudden the woe to you, curse be upon your prophet said, oh my God, I'm as guilty as the people I've been cursing. Their problems were with their morals. My problem is with my mouth. And we're both in the same position before the high and lifted up God. Now, that's inner vision. See, this is what Paul prayed for his church at Ephesus. He said, I pray to God. I just, and, and this prayer in the Greek it said in a tense of, uh, and in, a, in a, a vibe, if you will, of frustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul's looking at his church and he said, I pray the eyes of your understanding would just be opened, yeah. would just be enlightened. Because I'm concerned about you that you don't know the hope of his calling. You wouldn't be so depressed and without hope if you knew the hope of his calling. Come here, Pastor John. Pastor John has no idea why I called him up here. I'm liable to do anything. But even while he's standing in a quandary, wondering what I'm going to do, he trusts me enough to know I wouldn't have called him up here 
if I didn't have a purpose for him. And it's the same with you. It may not be clear where you're standing, what God is doing with your life. But Paul said you ought to always stand in hope because if he called you, he had a purpose for it. He wouldn't have started it with you if he did not intend on finishing it with you. That is the hope of his calling. I want you to know your eyes to be wide open to the hope of his calling. To the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And then number three, to the exceeding greatness of his power that he aimed toward us. Paul said you got power on reserve that you don't know you have. I, I, I went somewhere and got in the line to buy something and didn't have my wallet. And... You know the feeling, you know, you, you need something, you go to get it, and you wait in line, and everybody's frustrated in line because it's taking so long, and then you get up there, and, and you order what you need, and then you don't have the means to, to pay for it. And I got so angry, and it was 5 o'clock, and the thought of going back to my house, fighting traffic, get my wallet, and going back, I just said, forget it, and I just went without the thing that I needed. What I found out the next day is in the visor above my... Uh, steering wheel I had a $20 bill I had the resources to pay for what I needed and didn't know it I felt defeated I felt plum silly I went home without what I needed when I had the power to get it the whole time Paul said, I'm worried you're living that way. I'm worried you're living that way in your marriage. You have the power to overcome these things, but you're being destroyed by it. I'm worried about that in your finances. You have the power to overcome these challenges, but you're being destroyed by it because you don't know what you have access to inside you. He said, so I need you to get your eyes wide open. When Isaiah saw it, when his eyes were opened, he had an inner vision of what was in him, both good and bad. I think that's important, having an inner vision of where our weaknesses are. I'm a man of unclean lips. Only seeing God can really show you the dysfunction that's in you. See, a lot of us walk around with a total lack of self-awareness. We don't know how we're coming across. We don't know how we're internalizing issues. Not for real. Not really. And, um, you know, everybody has that, that internal narrative usually that kind of shades things in your favor. So you think the problem is everybody else. Well, I knew this would go over big. You think it really is her fault. Or you think it really is his fault. And the reason you have that feeling and you have that, that emotional attachment to that feeling is you don't have the inner vision to see how you really are. And we need that. Isaiah got that for the first time and he said, I'm a man. I'm a man of unclean lips. In other words, what Isaiah is teaching is that a real vision of God will show you about yourself. That, that you don't get a real vision of God and come out talking about how to fix me. 
you get a real vision of God, you come out talking about how to fix you. If you spent time in your prayer closet and you came out with a word to fix me, you didn't stay there long enough. You spend enough real time in your prayer closet, you'll come out with a word to fix you. That's the beauty and the power of seeing God. And we need that because a lot of us are being tripped up by our own wires. We're being snared in traps we have set for ourselves. And to keep you from spending years spinning your wheels and repeating cycles with dysfunctions you cannot see. One of the things God does when he reveals himself to us is he allows it to be that when we see him, we see into us. That, that's all they try to do in therapy and counseling. They don't tell you what to do. They try to get you to see into you. It's one of the hardest things in the world to see yourself. And yet supernaturally, we gain this inner vision when we come into contact with God. And Paul said that. He said, that's my heart for you. That's my prayer for you. That you wouldn't spend all this time in church and never get a vision of God. That you wouldn't spend all this time having adopted a belief system and never get a real vision of God. Because it's really not the church that changes you. It's God. And it's possible to have a great relationship with church and no relationship with God. And Isaiah said, I finally saw it and my eyes were wide open. That's my prayer for you. That in his way, on his schedule, that God would reveal himself to you that you would begin to see him like you've never seen him. That you would begin to gain the insight of how to move forward in your life. That you would no longer be shackled by chains you can't even see. That you would begin to see your life through a new prism, through a new set of lenses. That's what Elisha did for his servant. They were staying in a house and in the middle of the night, the enemy came and surrounded them to kill them. And the servant got up before the prophet and he went outside. He screamed and he ran back in the house and he said, Alas, my master, what are we going to do? And Elisha comes out and he looks at all the people surrounding them. And he puts his hand on his servant's shoulder and he said, Lord, I pray that you would open his eyes. Same prayer Paul prayed. He prayed it in the Old Testament as uh, Elisha did. He said, I pray you would open his eyes. That you'd make his eyes wide open. That he can see that there are more with us than there are against us. And when he prayed that, the servant looked up and he saw that the, the army that was surrounding them were surrounded themselves by angels. Weapons drawn, ready to come to their defense. I think it underscores the point. We have power we don't realize we have. We have help we don't realize we have. We have strength we don't realize we have. 
And Paul said that it was to usward who believe. If you're a believer, you're about to see the power of God. You're about to see the exceeding greatness of his power to us, toward us, to us who believe. I prophesy great manifestations of his power over your life. Great manifestations of his power over your family. Great manifestations of his power over your finances. Great manifestations of his power over your life. In Jesus' name, stand to your feet and give the Lord a praise all over the house.